0: If you think you're too small to be effective, you've never been in bed with a mosquito.
1: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Girl Show. The mission of the show is to spread mindfulness awareness and my job on the show is to invite world-class experts to extract the practices, routines and habits to live a fulfilled life. Today's guest is Mark Lesser. Mark Lesser is a speaker, facilitator, workshop leader, and executive coach. He is known for his engaging, experiential presentations that integrate mindfulness and emotional intelligence practices and training. He is the author of four books, including Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, Lessons from Google, and A Zen Monastery Kitchen. He is CEO of ZBA Associates, an executive development and leadership consulting company. Mark helped developed the world-renowned Search Inside Yourself program within Google, a mindfulness-based emotional intelligence training for leaders, which teaches the art of integrating mindfulness, emotional intelligence. He was a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center for 10 years. In this episode, Mark discusses about his residence at San Francisco Zen Center, open awareness, practice of disengaging, simply pausing, dedicated and integrated mindfulness practice. Zen meditation, everyday mind, and much, much more. To learn more, keep listening. Mark, welcome to the show.
0: My pleasure to be here.
1: I'm super thrilled, and it's going to be amazing, mindful conversation with you. So while doing some homework on your long history of success, I found so many great points. And before we go into the weeds, I'm curious to ask you: How would your family describe what you do for a living?
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to ask easy questions. I'm reminded of: Are you familiar with the the poet uh, David White?
1: I've heard the name. Yes. Yeah,
0: he's he. It's actually quite. I'm very fond of his poetry, and he, he's a wonderful speaker. And he once said something like, never, never trust anyone who can very easily describe what it is they do in the world. So, so that would make me quite trust, trustworthy. Um, I, think that, I think that my family would say that, that I do mindfulness, leadership, work, much of it in the, in the corporate world. And that I'm also a a, um, a Zen teacher. I, th- I think I think that that's what they would say, which is fairly, you know, pretty pretty good.
1: <laughs> so speaking of Zen teacher and Zen priest, you spent about ten years as a resident in San Francisco Zen Center. I want to ask you, what made you to be a resident of that Zen Center?
0: Yeah that was I spent uh, much of my 20s and and early 30s there. You know I think that I again that's not such an easy question to answer but in in some way I was inspired when I was in college to uh, I I felt like well one of one of my big inspirations was reading reading Abraham Maslow and his talking about self actualization and this this concept that that you could actually work on yourself and grow yourself and become uh, stronger emotionally, more flexible, more resilient and and i had some awareness re- reading about self actualization about just how asleep i had been most this was you know i was i was what 20 20 21 years old and so I think the realization about just how little I knew myself and my own emotional life and, and his description of a small percentage of the population that was highly, highly evolved and that had uh strong feelings of joy and sadness and grief and appreciation. And I thought, and I remember wondering why, why would anyone do anything else other than, de- at least as a starting point to develop your emotional life, and and then I think I I started reading books about about philosophy and and about existentialism and somehow discovered Alan Watts and D. T. Suzuki and Zen and Zen and there's something about Zen. That just really grabbed my attention, and that kind of pulled me into wandering into the San Francisco Zen Center, and again, i i was just I was just taken with the the sincerity of the people and the physicality of the practice, and and just ended up, you know, my my one year leave of absence from college <laughs> turned, turned turned into. Uh, ten years living living at the Zen Center, and and five of those at uh, Tassahara Zen Mountain Center, which was, I think, particularly particularly transformative. Was the kind of monastic experience living living, you know, on on retreat and outside of the kind of conventional conventional world, and that depth that depth of practice. But also, you know, I was always I got to do a lot of really interesting work work situations and and was very moved by the, you know, the, the integration of meditation practice and work.
1: I'm sure our listeners, a lot of our listeners may be aware of Zen. I would like to ask you people who don't know what Zen is. Could you please explain something about Zen? What is Zen?
0: Yeah, Zen, you know, Zen is interesting in that it, it, I think one way to explain it is in its founding. It was founded in China, in during a time I think when historically many many cultures were coming together, and Zen Zen evolved when the very kind of mystical Indian Indian culture Indian Buddhist culture of the fifth century came in contact with the uh, very kind of grounded farming culture of China. And at the same time, there was the, you know, the Confucianism was around the ethics, the ethics of Confucianism and the nature orientation of Taoism. So I think of Zen as this integration of mysticism, practicality and, and work, ethics and nature. and and then at its heart, I think Zen also emphasizes the basic, you know, meditation practice, sitting sitting practice. But it has that, you know, the flavor. It has that very kind of, I think, this unconventional flavor. There's a Zen, I think, has a wonderful deep mysticism and a sense of humor as well, and, and this groundedness. And so that's that's how Zen, that's how Zen evolved.
1: Yeah. When you were residing in that Zen center, I want to ask you what practices or what mindfulness practices did you have at that point of time? Or the better question is, what were you learning in those period of time?
0: Yeah. So I think there was, as I said, there was a good deal. I think med- you know, a daily meditation practice was, was core. But then I think a lot of the practice was seeing work as a form of of mindfulness practice of service and that that there was this sense of of joy and and love and appreciation of 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 meditation practice you know and in some way meditation practice i think was seen as an an expression of your you know your best self or your buddha nature and and work was seen as an expression it more in in action and in the confines of you know working with with people and you know the the challenges the challenges of you know seeing how different we are and our styles and bringing bringing awareness into that and and as much you know my, mindfulness you know it's interesting this word mindfulness i feel like means so many different things but in the sense of in the context of work, I think in part it's it's how to you know how to inspire others, be inspired by others, and at the same time to to produce really high-quality results. I, I like a practice that I've been teaching a lot lately, is called you know compassionate accountability. And I think that is kind of maybe a, 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 core, a core mindfulness practice is this combination of compassion in the sense of taking care of the people, loving the people. And at the same time, being holding each other accountable for producing excellent results.
1: How can we practice this? compassionate accountability practice in our daily life
0: yeah well I think this is something I find that in the in the work it's particularly i think relevant and important for any work situation because so much of so much of work is around um, accountability and but i think I think that the practice of paying a lot of attention to you know accountability i think includes to me it includes honesty and morality and ethics as well as keeping to your word you know doing what you say you're going to do recognizing recognizing when you are meeting your goals or not meeting your your goals so so this is you know this is like seeing accountability as a as a practice and at the same time the compassion piece is caring deeply and taking care of the people that you're working with whether it's your coworkers or your customers and and there is i think in the workplace a a natural tension between these two in a sense they look they look like two ends of a spectrum right that how how do you get things done and and be effective and at the same time how do you express real care and compassion for your people and i think more and more they are you know i think it's realized that they are in a sense it may in certain situations there they may feel like some tension between them but for the <laughs> most part they 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 go together really well and i think that part of um, mindful leadership is being really really good really effective really developed at both accountability as well as compassion.
1: Yes. Uh, do you feel that teaching compassion at a workplace isn't easy? Accountability part may not be tough, but teaching compassion could be a challenging thing.
0: Well, I think it's only because of the word. And so sometimes in some workplaces, the word compassion might be, might be perceived as you know, too soft. or you <laughs> know, so, so you can easily replace compassion with building inner strength right or you that can use a strong it, word <laughs> or or you can replace it with trust and caring building i think i think most people these days that trust caring alignment are i think you know emotional intelligence i think these are all words and concepts that are highly highly valued so it's i think it's balancing the 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 people part the caring part the trust part with the getting things done, the measure, the measurements, the meeting goals, you know, what are usually so it's, again, what are usually seen as the, 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 the hard sciences and the soft sciences, but I think they're, I think that they are both essential. You have, you have to have both to have a effective workplace.
1: I would like to come back to this mindful leadership and about your book in a while and before that we were talking about meditation in in that zen center and you teach weekly meditation in mill valley zen center if i say the name correctly yes what kind of meditations do you teach
0: you know zen zen meditation is i think of it as a it's a very in some way it's 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 very basic but but i think we we humans are so Deep and complicated that <laughs> we just are, we just are we it's amazing, it's amazing the the human you know the human mind and and body, so Zen meditation is essentially sitting with your mind and body and and not being caught by your thinking mind, so that there is you know basic practice of following the breath or counting the breath and 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 Zen meditation I would say is both a a training training the mind in focus, right? So being being able to not be distracted, to be able to come back to the breath and the body. And it's also a, a practice that emphasizes open awareness, kind of opening the mind and body to one's sensations, feelings, thoughts. You know, I. It's interesting. One of the one of the founders of uh, Zen in Japan in the 13th century, a man named Dogen. You know, was fa- famously said. You know, this this practice is is not meditation. So it, there's this. So Zen Zen likes to pull the carpet out. You know, pull the rug out from things that you think are so. So likes so this has nothing to do with meditation. It's basically and it's just this just this sitting quietly is an expression of your true nature it's an expression of of reality and and i think that you know zen meditation is sitting sitting in the middle of all of your thoughts and feelings and stories and and in some way cultivating the the reality that they don't that they don't define us. So it's playing. It's this. This. This Dogen fellow also famously said, "You know, to study, to study the way is to study the self, and to study the self is to go beyond the self, and to go beyond the self is to realize your oneness with with everyone and everything."
1: There are many things you covered, you know. A- short period of time <laughs> so we have mindfulness meditation and you spoke about zen meditation sitting quietly so i would like to ask you is there any difference between mindfulness meditation and zen meditation
0: no i don't think so i mean i think i think that it's interesting that these are i think that mindfulness is this enormous enormous subject of, of, you know, thousands of years of, of practice and history and philosophy at, as is, as is Zen. And, you know, in some way, you know, mindfulness, mindfulness practice is, is just such a core, a core part of Zen practice. And, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's be hard for me, and maybe, maybe someone else could, could answer you better than I could, but
1: uh, no it's fine <laughs>
0: it's it's hard for me to parse to parse apart you know any difference between zen meditation and 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 mindfulness meditation again i think at at their core it's you know the 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 practice of you know the the aspiration to live in reality the aspiration to not be fooled by things and to see as as clearly as as possible and yeah you know and i think some of the i think some of the elements maybe some of the elements that would be in whether it's zen meditation or mindfulness meditation is you know a sense of a sense of suffering or or discomfort or not not pushing away not pushing away a difficulty a an attunement around impermanence a an attunement around selflessness and and this sense of studying the self as a way of going beyond the self and i think maybe some some sense that that freedom is possible that it's possible to be free of our usual kind of e- ego ego self-driven uh, thinking and behavior
1: and in one of your blogs you mentioned that zen Is a practice of developing a responsive and flexible mind while keeping your heart open. Mm. Mm.
0: That's pretty good. I like that. I do remember writing that (laughs) some some time ago. Right.
1: And as a listener to this podcast, I'm thinking, Mark, what time do you meditate? What does your meditation practice look like every day?
0: It's funny. My my practice has shifted during this pandemic (laughs) uh, because I'm now. Able to I've been sitting most mornings uh, with the San Francisco my 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 friends my my friends and and one of my communities, the San Francisco Zen Center, does an online sitting every morning starting at 5:50 a.m., two 30-minute periods, and 10 minutes of walking meditation in, in between. That's my that's my daily practice. I also sit, you know, as you mentioned, Mill Valley Zen on Wednesday nights. And then I like to do I like to do uh, one day, one-day sittings, ideally, once a month, but I don't, these days I may not always do it that often. And then I usually do a longer sitting once a year, like a five-day or seven-day retreat yearly. That's my, that's my meditation practice.:
1: <laughs> So there are a lot of people, I believe, may struggle with practicing meditation on a consistent basis. How do you influence or what do you suggest people to be consistent at this practice?
0: Yeah, I think one of the, I think it's really helpful to sit with others, to not try and do it alone. If you, and these days, and I think in general now, if you can't, you know, if you can't be in person with others, there are so many opportunities. So there are literally hundreds probably thousands of online meditation groups now that find one or or find a person or find a few people that you can sit with either you know again in person or 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 virtually so there is something about i, I think because we are such social creatures that it just really helps it helps with accountability to to if you say you're going to sh- you're going to show up and and sit at, at a certain time that it just really helps. And I think too I think the hardest thing I've noticed for people is to start a meditation practice to get it to get it in your in your body and in your bones and to get it to become you know again I often suggest to people that you think of it like brushing your teeth that you don't wake up every morning and think am I going to brush my teeth <laughs> you just do it. And I don't I don't wake up and think am I going to meditate it's just something that I it's just something that I do. And I think the, it, it takes a little while, I think, to experience uh, the benefits of, of meditation, to experience that it is a, an enormous help in kind of going back even to your, your quoting of me on my blog in terms of, I think it's so useful in being less reactive and more responsive and as well as helping to keep one's heart open, even when things are really difficult and challenging.
1: Meditation can be a struggle in the beginning, but as we keep practicing over a period of time, we get better and better. It's like any other practice over a period of time, we get better and it becomes a habit, like brushing our teeth, as you said.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I, again, I think that, I mean, I think it takes, it takes some trust or faith, especially in, in the beginning and uh, yeah and 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 I don't know I, I i wouldn't I don't know that I would use that language i I don't know that I'm any better at it now than I was forty years ago when I started, but again, I think the the zen you know the Zen school or I think the mindfulness school uh emphasizes um not trying to be an expert, not worrying about being better at it, giving up giving up all ideas about about achievement. Is is I think uh, actually a core part of mindfulness practice and Zen and Zen meditation. Now, of course, of course, we you know we have some intention, right? So it's not that we it's not that it's not that we don't have an intention or a reason for sitting, right? So we might you know I might sit meditation because I want to be more responsive, or I want to deal with stress, or I want to be less egotistical. But when I'm, when I'm actually doing the practice, I'm letting go of all that. I'm just, I'm just, being with my breath, being with my body. Nothing, to, letting go of as much as I possibly can of all, all ideas of accomplishment or or getting anything. So it's a little bit paradoxical that way. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's fairly easy to understand as well.
1: Yeah, we can say that it's a practice of letting go and. Non-attachment mm-hmm.
0: yes, yes. and you know, so it's interesting, you know, especially in the work in the work world where there's so much so much emphasis on goals and achievement and accountability. And you know one one of the things that I find you know I, i've I've been doing a fair amount of coaching over the last couple of years of executives, and one of the things that i've been been um, talking about a lot is, this practice of engaging and the practice of disengaging uh, and how that people often don't think about that, how useful it can be to be able to consciously or mindfully go back and forth between engaging in, in activity and in achieving things and accomplishing things but how important it is to be able to let it go, to be able to relax and let go of any sense of achievement. and And this is, I think, you know, one of the things that we can having a regular meditation practice can enable us to be able to disengage at, at, at times, even even when we're trying to get stuff done, even in the midst of you know a, a stressful. Full-on workday to be able to to disengage.
1: Is there any other practice along with meditation that we can do to disengage ourselves?
0: Yeah, I think there's lots of practices. I think well, walking meditation, uh, jur- you know, journal writing, like just practicing letting go of of editing and overthinking, and just just letting letting bringing thoughts and feelings to the page can be can be a really good practice. I think spending time spending time in nature for a lot of people can can be can be a, a practice of disengaging. Even, you know, it's interesting even just listening practice. So so just letting go of the idea that you need to show up as smart or or um or that you um, need to prove something and and just as as you're listening to another person to completely disengage from your own from whatever any anything that you need to do or prove and just completely give yourself over to listening is i think a perhaps a, a form and practice of disengaging
1: what's your personal go-to disengaging practice so to speak
0: yeah I think well, I think again i I, I think about you know I, I talk about you know dedicated practice and integrated practice these two these two buckets of mindfulness practice. so my 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 go-to dedicated practice is meditation practice, and I would say that my dedicated integrated practice is maybe listening, right? so just dis, disengaging from from concerns about myself and just 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 listening, just being curious, the practice of curiosity about what this person is uh, saying and and who this person is
1: listening, active listening, yeah, and listening
0: listening, active listening, listening, not only for content but listening for feelings, listening, you know, beneath the words, and being curious about well you know what what's what's really being. What's really being communicated here?
1: Yes, Uh, you have talked about, or you talk about at Zen Center about everyday mind and finding your true path. What is everyday mind? I'm curious to ask you that.
0: Yeah, I think this is this is a lot like. I I think this a little bit a little bit like this practice of disengaging. It's the it's everyday mind is you know not not it's the mind that is not comparing and judging and criticizing it's a it's a mind that is more open and curious it's right i think i'd say it's the mind it's the mind well it's like what in shinryu suzuki in the you know his book zen mind beginner's mind so it's like beginner's mind it's the mind that is open and uh, not fixed not not fooled by things this is, I think. This.
1: When you do executive coaching, do you recommend meditation to the executives?
0: Often, you know. Again, I think I'll, I will, I'll often inquire if the person has a meditation practice, and and then if they do, that can be, that can be something that we, you know, talk about, or even sometimes do some sitting practice together, or if they're curious about it, I will often, you know. Work, work with the person on building up you know sometimes sometimes it can be just starting out by doing you know a few minutes a day of um, things that are um, achievable. I've, I've now embraced I, I used to be I used to be a little bit I think critical or judgmental about guided meditations but I've since I've changed my ways there. I've, I think that I think that for a lot of people, guided meditations can be can be really helpful i'll be curious to see someday i think there'll be scientific studies that will compare the uh, effectiveness of guided versus non-guided i haven't seen any but my sense is that guided meditations are just as just as useful and maybe more for some people who again for some people they just people find it uh quite helpful to be able to practice with listening, listening to guiding or encouraging words. And I've been doing more and more guided meditations myself.
1: What made you change your mind about guided meditation?
0: I think just seeing how many people rely on them and that for, for a lot of people, it just works better. It it, it it, allows, it provides an access point into meditation that I think they wouldn't have without, without having that, that support.
1: I would like to shift some gears here. And uh, your, your new book, Becoming a Mindful Leader, you have portrayed seven practices of becoming a mindful leader, and they are into three categories, such as investigate, connect, and integrate. So mindful leader, can this be used for somebody who is not a leader? Sure. I mean, the
0: word, you know, it's, it's funny language, because in some sense, (laughs) in some sense, my assumption is everyone's a leader, right? So we are all, we're all leading our lives. These days, so many of us are, are having to be entrepreneurs or having to have a lot of these leadership qualities in our work. And, and most of us in some way, we're, you know, um, we, you know, we might we might be in or will be in a leadership role, and and so that's a particular kind of leader. But but we might be leading a team or we might be on a team. So I think, especially in the work world, we all we all in some way need to be developing these these leadership skills. And then I think even in our personal lives, you know, whether it's in terms of developing our own well-being, developing our relationships, that so many of those so-called leadership skills carry over into into all parts of our lives. It's one of the things that I really appreciate about this work of mindful leadership is that it's really it's really I think the work of being a a full a full human being.
1: Yes and being compassionate, authentic. Bringing vulnerability at a workplace, these things are not easy to talk about at a workplace
0: well I think that's changing. I think it's changing that um again, not all workplaces not all not all companies, not all teams but 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 more and more, you know, I think that the work that I did at google and and that google embracing mindfulness as their kind of well being initiative i think you know, it's funny that that now goes back, huh, time. <laughs> <laughs> it's now almost um 15 years ago. Wow, that that started teaching mindfulness at, at Google, and and now, I think that 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 and and many other companies, SAP and Aetna, and and more and more, I think companies embracing embracing mindfulness has made it uh, easier and easier to to talk about things like compassion and compassionate accountability and emotional. Inte- well, I think emotional intelligence was, you, you know, emotional intelligence in some way kind of maybe helped pave the way. And then the work, the work of John Kabat-Zinn making, making my kind of D de, D hooking mindfulness from religion. And then I think some big, some big, well-known uh, corporate companies embracing mindfulness as all, kind of made it easier to to and 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 people i think are more and more interested and curious about how to create mindful cultures and yeah so my book you know seven practices of a mindful leader kind of came out came out of the work that i was doing doing at google
1: would you say that emotional intelligence is a byproduct of mindfulness practices
0: Well, it's interesting the way, again, I think these, you know, these, these mental models, I think we want to be a little careful about getting too rigid about them, but the way I, the way I think about them is that emotional intelligence is a whole kind of specific set of capacities of, of working with yourself and working with others. So self-awareness and self-management, motivation empathy and communication skills or social skills are kind of the key buckets of emotional intelligence. And, and I generally teach and think that mindfulness is a practice that supports all of these capacities, that when we talk about things like self-awareness, it, it need, there needs to be some somatic practice, some body practice. And that's where mindfulness and, and particularly mindfulness meditation come into play. you know that you can't you can't develop emotional intelligence through reading about it or talking about it. There needs to be integration with with the body and the b- kind of body mind practices.
1: Yes, I love how you explain that. When we keep practicing all these things in our daily life, it becomes an integration. We don't have to do it. Every time it becomes like mindful meditation, mindful walk, it just becomes a part of our daily lives.
0: yeah, again, you know, I think that you know going back to where we where you started talking about Zen, but I would say this is true of you know whether it's Zen or mindfulness, essentially the 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 question is, how can we be full human beings? How can we live? How can we live uh, meaningful, useful? lives really like really how can how can we do that what does that mean what does that look like uh, what gets what gets in the way and and i think these were the the essential questions that were be that are were being asked and are being asked about you know mind, mindfulness and mindful leadership is you know what how you know, what how can we how can we develop ourselves how can we develop our own awareness and how can we help others?
1: Yeah. And just pausing and doing nothing sometimes doing nothing is challenging for us.
0: Yeah. uh, Doing nothing and being really good at what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Both, both. Right. And, and that, yeah, being really good, being really good at doing nothing disengaging and being really good at whatever our, but whatever our craft is and and in our communication and how we not only in what our craft is but in how how we how we move through how do we how do we move through the world do we move through the world in a way where we are a a force for good a force for healing yeah or or are we creating more stress in the world
1: yes i know that mark you you have mentioned so many quotes in your work is there any Code that you live your life with, or any code that inspires you, the most. Oh yes, let's
0: see quotes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. The first one that comes to mind is: "If if you think you're too small to be effective, you've never been in bed with a mosquito." Which was a, <laughs> a, a greeting card. That's a good that, one. A greeting card I published um, when I my first company. I used to run a greeting card company, but. There is a, one's quotes I've been leaning on quite a bit lately have been this Wendell Berry quote where, you know, Wendell Berry was a um, fifth generation Kentucky farmer and writer. And he said, be joyful though you've considered all the facts. Be joyful though you've considered all the facts. And I think that's a good, in a way, a another possible working definition of Mindfulness is uh, to consider everything to consider everything and yet find joy or find find appreciation in in everything
1: and through mindfulness and Zen meditation or mindfulness meditation, we can connect to our pain we can connect to others' pain, and that's what you talk about in your book connecting with pain so yeah i think,
0: i think I, I think I should just you know at least once rattle off the seven practices, because I think they're very very—they're yes. very poetic, you know, and they're also very practical, right? So the practices are love the work, do the work, don't be an expert, connect to your pain, connect to the pain of others, depend on others,
1: and keep making it simpler. We make it complex. Human beings make it complex.
0: Yes, yes, that's why... <laughs> That's why I think the, the 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 seventh practice. I think it's such a relief, right? All these practices, but just keep keep making it simpler. Keep finding a way to come back to what what matters most. What matters most?
1: Actually, I've taken the screenshot of these seven practices and put it into my word document so that I can review it again and again. <laughs> Beautiful. And. Uh what books if if i would like to ask you about the books that have that you have gifted the most apart from your own book
0: <laughs> yeah i i really i really love the books by shinri suzuki zen mind beginner's mind and and not always so you know in the in the business world i'm often recommending a book called difficult conversations by douglas stone i think almost any books by by Thich Nhat Hanh, you know the Vietnamese Zen teacher, or or Pema Chodron, who's also a she's also a mindfulness teacher in a, a different, slightly different tradition called the v- Vipassana tradition. I think read I, I strongly recommend something about poetry. You know, just read get get some poetry collections. Yeah, I mean Mar- Mary Oliver is quite is quite wonderful.
1: Yeah, so much to read. Yeah, so much to read. And speaking of Thich Nhat Hanh, there is a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh that I have quoted in almost every podcast episode. There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Uh- and Mark, so before I ask you my last question for this recording, I want to ask you, or do you have do you want to share anything with our listeners? Anything, any closing thought, any recommendation, suggestion, or where can they find you online? Anything that you want to share?
0: Yeah, I just, you know, I think it's interesting. The Thich Not Han quote, it's it's also something about, you know, the the way the way is, you know, just our, our life our life is our practice. Our life is our practice, our practice is our life. And you no. Know, at the at the in the, in the Zen monasteries, there's a, there's these wooden wooden boards that are hit by a wooden hammer to as signals to call people to the to meditation and and written on them is is a something like you know wake up wake up you know life life is short yeah don't 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 lose sight of that life life is short and you can find me my website is marklesser.net. m a r c l e s s e r .net i you can sign up I, I i do a weekly newsletter and have try and do a, try and make a a good deal of value and offerings in my my weekly writings and and my book seven practices of a mindful leader
1: wonderful and i will put all these links into the show notes thank you so and, much and mark my last question is What's the impact you want to leave onto this world?
0: Yeah, I, I want to be as awake and free and as I can possibly be. And I'd like to help others to wake up to, to, living, to living in reality as much as we possibly can.
1: Thank you so much. That is so beautiful. And this is definitely a wake-up call for me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, it. Mark. Thank yeah, you so much. You it was care. wonderful. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can visit https: colon slash slash N-I-S-H-A-N-T-G-A-R-G dot me. You can also share this episode with your loved ones to help them live a fulfilled life. You are not alone in this journey. We all struggle in life. There is no shame in talking about it. I go through my highs and lows. I get depressed, and these practices help me in living a resilient life. You can also do this. You've got this. Don't judge yourself. You are doing the best you can. And thank you so much again.